0: Start to unpack what this is. Great, thanks guys for the AV. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're going for a run, and you're in a race, and your shoelaces were tied together, you're not going to get very far, are you? You're going to trip up. You're going to probably trip up the competitors next to you. You're not going to actually run the race at all. Your eyes might be ahead, but you're totally entangled by your shoelaces. Yeah. So where did this entanglement start? It all started in the garden, right back in the beginning in Genesis. So we're going to read from Genesis 3. Genesis 3. 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the tr- fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. It was when she looked, when she looked at the tree. The serpent, or the enemy, got Eve to look at the tree. And he appealed to Eve's eyes. We know that the eyes are the window of our soul. And so what we look at and what we take in through our eyes Um, are actually, it's vital to our health. Mm. Let's now look at 1 John 2 verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. The serpent appealed to what she could see. And planted the thought in her mind of, ooh, if you eat that fruit, you'll be wise. You'll be like God. Hmm. The fruit, here's some D words, were delicious to eat. It was delicious to eat. It was a delight to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise. You can hear the allurement rising, can't you? wow, what if, what if I just taste it? I'm already looking at it. Mm. Oh, it's going to make me so wise. I'm going to be like God. The master deceiver promises deliciousness, delight, and desirable outcomes. But as we know, all these promises ended in death and destruction and a total separation from God. The devil is the master deceiver. But Christ is the Master Deliverer. I love that He is our Master Deliverer. So entanglements start at what we look at. Let me give you another example of this. Um, in the holidays, I took the girls to to Papa and um, we went to see the bug exhibit that is on at the moment. If you haven't been, I'd really recommend it because we just found it fantastic. We were only going to be there for a short period of time, and we ended up being there for almost two hours. It was really quite amazing. And the things that stood out was um, just the intricate detail of these bugs and insects that God has created. It was just like, wow. Anyway, there was a particular bug that really stood out to me, and it was called the orchid mantis. Um, And so what you're about to see, we're going to roll a clip. What you're about to see is how our eyes can deceive us. If you can just roll that clip, that will be great.
1: Deep in the tropical rainforests of Asia lives a majestic assortment of orchids. They seem to be nothing but harmless blossoms. But look closer this beauty is hiding a deadly, stealthy killer. This is the orchid mantis. While this praying mantis can blend with green leaves to ambush prey, the orchid mantis has taken it up a notch. Known as aggressive mimicry, It's the only insect known to disguise itself as a flower, which actually lures prey. And the way it works is pure ninja stealth. The mantis imitates the texture and color of the orchid's petals, which attracts insects who think this is a harmless flower to pollinate. To keep up the charade and avoid detection, it remains as still as possible, rotating only its head to get a better look at prey. While the orchid mantis has a large appetite and eats an array of insects, it is a selective hunter. So patience is a key part of the orchid's stealthy strategy. It's not going to blow its cover for this sapsucker. Those sticky threads would be unpleasant to eat. But this moth is ripe for the picking. It's using its front legs, which are covered in dagger-like spines, to snare the moth and stake it down. The ninja disguise is so successful, scientists believe the orchid mantis is better at attracting pollinator insects than actual orchids who would have thought such a beauty could be so beastly
0: amazing hey I love that line who would have thought something so beautiful could be so beastly (laughs) it stands out and it shines but it is a deadly trap a perfect scam it's dazzling deceptive but deadly sounds a lot like the serpent doesn't it in the garden Mm. It mimics a flower, and it is the most beautiful flower in the garden of all. Most beautiful flower of all. It promises pollen to unsuspecting insects, but it is actually a deadly trap, as we saw. It's appealing to the eye of the other bugs, and it, as it mimics the flower, and plants the thought of pollen into the mind and senses of the other bugs, like we saw with the moth sounding attractive, but ultimately deadly, that poor moth, (laughs) we get entangled by things that we think bring life to us, but they only end in death. Let's refer back to Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. It sounds like the orchid mantis, doesn't it? In Genesis 3, 4-5, which says, The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the devil knows our fallen state, and he knows how to tempt us. He knows where to get us, doesn't he? But if we're in the right operating system, as Greg talked about last week, we will not even get tempted. The fake and the false become the real thing in our mind, and we can live from this place. The deception becomes alluring, and we can be taken in just with one bad decision. Another word for false is pseudo. It means not actually, but having the appearance of. Almost, approaching, or trying to be. So what keeps us entangled? I believe it's looking at the wrong things, which leads to wrong thinking. You may not realize it, but what you look at affects what you think. And the two are intrinsically connected. Turn with me to Ephesians four, seventeen and 18. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as a Gentile's walk in the futility of their mind. Verse 18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. This could be us, being darkened and excluded from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in us. And the hardness of our heart. Eesh. You think, I don't have a hard heart. I'm, I'm fine. I've got a soft heart before you, Lord. Until it gets tested. Hey. We know that the battlefield is of our mind. And that is why it is so, so important to have our minds renewed by truth. Not just any truth. Not my version of truth. His truth. Let's look now at 2 Corinthians eleven three to 4. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Hmm. If we take our eyes off Jesus, we get entangled. Jesus is the tree of life. And the enemy got Eve to look at the tree of good and evil, didn't he? Not the tree of life. She took her eyes off the tree of life, off Jesus. In verse 4, For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Why do you think that is so? It's because our eyes have left Jesus. We've taken our eyes off the prize, as it were. Entanglements will keep us from that pure devotion to Jesus, and our relationship with him will start to waver and be a little bit like uh, looking at the other ways, the different gospel, which is not necessarily another religion as such. It's just another way of seeing truth, but it's not his version of truth it's our own or other people's opinions even and they become more attractive to us and easily accepted by us it's quite serious isn't it proverbs sixteen twenty five says there is a way which seems right to a man but its way ends in death yeah but its end is the way of death sorry Our ways always seem right to us, don't they? (laughs) It's my way, or the highway. (laughs) I will do it my way, thanks. Our thinking appears to be right, but in the end it leads down futile and fruitless paths and ultimately leads to our demise. This false reality will eventually kill us. Our lives are the evidence of what we think, whether it is Christ-like thinking in his ways, or me-like thinking, fleshly thinking. There are those two operating systems again. What we think, we believe, and what we believe, we speak, and what we speak, we live out, and we end up becoming, don't we? Because we've almost bought into the lie. It's very sobering, and I've got an example which is very raw that has just happened in the last week of my thinking. I had been offered a new—I have been offered a new position, a part-time position, in a um, in a centre working with children with disabilities. Very excited about it. Very like, yeeh! This is going to be something new I can get my teeth into, and I can really, you know. Um, Uh, just enjoy and learn more about and grow and and then I started thinking about all the unknowns of this position and I started thinking about but what if I don't fulfill their expectations they've set out the expectations what if I don't fulfill them what if I uh, can't live up to what they want and I'm saying I can and then I don't and then just you know ah I was just feeling all this dread started to fill me. And for me, it happens that I get um, worried and then my stomach starts to churn. I don't know if any of you guys are like that, but I just felt physically ill. And come Friday night when um, Greg had taken the girls over to Battle Hill with the camp, um, I couldn't sleep and I was worrying. I was worrying about my previous job. I was worrying about my new job. I was worrying about the kids. So I was worrying about the dog. I was worrying about everything. I literally was. And I was wide awake. I was waking every half hour. I woke at three. I was worried about this message too because I knew that I was you know, bringing the message, which is quite incredible because the message is on entanglements. And I suddenly realized at three o'clock in the morning, I am totally entangled. I am so not qualified to bring this message. I cannot, Lord, I cannot do this. And I was like, okay, just go back to sleep. Your alarm's set for six. You can start your writing then. You don't need to start at three. It's okay. So I went back to sleep. Well, for goodness sake, I had a dream. And it was a dream that Greg came home with the girls dripping weak because they've got flooded at camp. <laughs> Which was actually not reality. It was totally fine. They were they were happy as Larry. It was just my silly thoughts had got completely entangled and way over there. I got up at six and I thought, No, I'm gonna put on some music. I'm going to read your word, Lord. You've got to help me in this because I so cannot do this. And I just put on the music, and it was like this tangible switch. This piece flooded me, and I still felt a bit squirmy in my tummy, but as I started reading and my fingers were going ten to the dozen with writing, his piece just kept coming in waves. And it was incredible. And by the time um, I was um, up and ready to go, I just felt this confidence that certainly didn't come from myself. It came from him spending time in his word. So entanglements start at what you look at, and then they move into what you think. Why do you think we believe the lie? Why do we get sucked into the trap like that little moth and like Eve? For me, it was because my mind was not yet renewed to the measure of truth needed to stamp out my fleshly thinking. You know, to think about all the, um, the negatives and the unknowns about a new job. I should be celebrating and praising the Lord for this new opportunity, not in fear and worry and dread. Oh. And secondary to this, I hadn't taken the thought captive, as um, he says in his word, to bring every thought under submission to Christ. But when I did, in that moment of my decision came, freedom came with it, and that peace came with it. So beautiful. He is so faithful. Another reason why I think we believe the lie is that the lie can sometimes be more attractive than the truth. It's hard to admit that, isn't it? We need layers to cover over our floors. Yup. Because if we become uncovered, it reveals the rawness and truth of our insecurities and the fears that hold us captive. And that is a very vulnerable and sometimes ugly place to be. It was pretty yuck for me on Saturday morning last week. I'm sure you've all had those moments where it's just like, whoa, I just feel bound up with this yucky feeling. We seem to believe the the sin and the lies over the truth and are blinded by deception and the counterfeit, which can totally hold us captive, just like Eve and the moth again. So enough of the negative stuff. How do we break free from the entanglements? Because he's come to set us free, hasn't he? We first need to acknowledge, like I did in the middle of the night, that I can't do anything. We can do nothing in our own strength, and it is only through the power of his spirit working within us that actually truly sets us free. Greg last week talked about that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and talked about that sometimes we just take the first bit of the scripture, I can do all things through Christ, and then we run off and we do all the things, and then we suddenly get weary and depressed and tired and like, oh, I can't do it actually. Because we've left off the other half of the scripture which says, Through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. His living word gives us the answer to everything. It gives us the answer to life if we're willing to seek it out. So let's look at Ephesians four, twenty two, twenty four. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which has been corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And verse 23, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Wow, what a promise when we actually do those things. We become renewed, renewed, in the spirit of our minds. Amen. This is the born-again life that we've been hearing about from Paul and Greg and Sandra, as I've talked about the death-to-life experience, living from the kingdom of darkness as slaves to living from the kingdom of God, living as sons set free. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life his ways, his patterns, working in us for his purpose, which brings his life and freedom in us. It's such a beautiful exchange, isn't it? When we give our rags and he gives us his riches. It is so beautiful. So my prayer for all of us is that we are willing to surrender our ways to his ways. Our will to his will, and that he may be glorified in us and through us. Mm. And I would just um, add to that that if um, anyone is actually feeling entangled, you don't have to stay there because as we've looked in his word, he's given us the answers, he's given us his Holy Spirit to set us free and to unlock stuff that maybe we think in our logical thinking there is no way i can get out of this trap like the moth there is no way i can get out but actually through the power in his spirit we can we can he sets us free thanks for listening guys
2: i just want to sense just create an opportunity when you hear a message like that then i believe holy spirit wants to set some of us free um before we do that, I just, uh, as Danny was reading, Hebrews twelve one, 1, 2 says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as we've heard, that's the key to fix your eyes on the answer. And he is the answer. You know, we go looking for answers in everything but the answer. Because like Danny said, sometimes the answer actually doesn't look like the answer. And you're in fear of the truth because the truth that actually comes to set you free has the power to propel you because you can't see it. And that's why eyes to see are so important. It doesn't look like Jesus because you fear is screaming, run, run, run. And yet this is the answer to set you free.